0: Good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Exciting. How good. My name is Michael and I am the Assistant Youth Pastor here at BBC and it is genuinely my pleasure to get to open the Bible with you this morning and um, share with you what um, has been on Craig's heart and what has been on the elders of this church's heart um, for you. I thought that um, before I kind of get into what I have to talk to you about this morning, I'd share a little bit about who I am because this is the first time I have gotten the privilege of sharing on a Sunday morning. So I thought you'd, I'd take you through a few quick steps about to who I am. So firstly, um, my name is Michael. I was born on the 10th of the 10th, 1994. So that's 25 years ago. Um, I was born in what some call uh, the modern Jerusalem or the promised land, Rotorua. <laughs> it's a great place. I did all my schooling there. Um, I Uh, I love that place, honestly, it is home to me. Um, I met my wife there, so um, we met at a church band practice and I was like, oh, hey, (laughs) you can, oh, what's going on? And uh, we got married on the 11th of November 2017 and so there's a photo of that as well. It was a great day. I didn't know any of you then, so none of you came, but... um, (laughs) That was a big deal. That's a big deal in a a young man's life, getting married. It changes the trajectory. You realise how selfish you truly are and uh, realise how much you need Jesus. Um, Another big part of my life. (laughs) This is not laugh at me. This is bearing one another's burdens, guys. Come on. Um, Another big part of my life has been my health. When I was five years old I got diagnosed with um, a chronic kidney failure condition and so all through growing up I knew that this thing was coming but I didn't really know what that was going to mean. Uh, when I was 20 I ended up on dialysis. Um, so if any of you have been on dialysis you would know that it is not a great time, and, um, and then through God's goodness, uh, four months later, I ended up getting a kidney transplant. So I have three kidneys now, which is a party. Um, so there's a photo of that as well. That was me uh, in ICU after I had my kidney transplant. And ever since then, um, my health has been up and down. It doesn't automatically mean that you're gonna be better all the time, but it means that you can be a little bit more consistent in your life, but for me, my health still plays up often. Um, And so this had a massive impact on my faith. I was brought up in a Christian family um, with Christian values, but for me, I never really could reconcile this idea that Jesus was a loving God who came to restore humanity back to himself when I had this condition sitting in the back of my brain, knowing um, that I would continue to get sick. I couldn't understand how me being ill worked in with God's plan for my good. And I think that that's a massive thing that a lot of us struggle to understand because when we become the centre of our own universe, we fail to see where God really is and how he's working. And so for me, this um, was a massive stumbling block to me. And no one could really answer my questions. No one could really help me get past this um, until I was about 19 years old when I discovered uh, this random preacher online. And um, For the first time in my life, I heard someone teach the Bible in a way that I just never heard before in my life. And he spoke with authority, he spoke um, with passion and power. I could see that the words he was saying were not just some words that he was making up or something he'd been told to say, but he truly believed every single thing that he was saying. Um, And for me, seeing someone that was so passionate about the word of God and truly wanting to live it out changed the way that I saw the world. Um, I believe it was then that Jesus came and truly changed my heart and made me uh, whole. Paul says in one of his letters to imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so I think that it's an extremely important thing to have these heroes in the faith people that we can look up to, people that we can be inspired by. Now, for me, I definitely have my own heroes, but I think that a hero that a lot of us have, or a lot of people would have, is a man named Billy Graham. How many of you guys here know who Billy Graham is? How many managed to go to one of his crusades when he came to New Zealand back in the day? I think it would be an insane privilege to have the testimony that maybe you even got saved at a crusade. Um, of Billy Graham's, I just think that would be phenomenal. But for those of you that don't know who Billy Graham was, Billy Graham um, was a man who from a very young age, like 19 or 20, was just very obedient to the call that God had put on his life. He started these things that they called tent meetings uh, or revivals, and um, he was doing one in LA and a celebrity had come along at the time, I don't know who it was, and he'd gotten saved. And this kind of got Billy Graham some momentum because the newspapers picked up the story and it went across the whole of America. From that moment on, he was invited to speak at all these different places across um, America. And he would go along on these things that he called crusades and with his team and they would preach the gospel and thousands of people would get saved. He ended up doing this for six decades. And to me, this is someone who spent a life Um, living out of Matthew chapter five, which is being a citizen of heaven. He cared so much about the gospel and seeing people come to know Jesus and being forgiven of their sin. And so to me, I find this guy so inspiring. So he dedicated his whole life to this mission. Um, But one moment in his life in particular that I find very inspiring um, was when he got invited to go and speak at Russia, in Russia, at the height of the Cold War. Now, for those of you that don't know a lot about the Cold War, pretty much after World War II, um, Russia wanted to be a superpower and America wanted to be a superpower and Russia was communist and, or the USSR was communist and America was capitalist and they just really didn't like each other very much at all. And so for Billy Graham, he felt the need to go and preach the gospel to these people in this Eastern European country, but he was also known as... America's pastor and So for him to go over and preach this gospel message to those in Russia was extremely controversial They did not get along and I really want to highlight that this morning So I've got a little clip from a documentary on Billy Graham to really highlight how intense the situation was
1: There's a real sense in which the countries that we visited in Eastern Europe were seen as a prelude hoping the door would open for an invitation to the Soviet Union 1982, that invitation came, but it was not an easy invitation. Billy Graham was asked to address an international religious leadership conference on the perils of nuclear war, but it was common knowledge that these events were planned for propaganda purposes to benefit the Soviet Union and vilify the United States. I'd already been to communist countries, but to go to Russia to address a peace conference, which in those days looked like the betrayal of all that we stood for in America. The anti-communist wave in America was enormous. The world always seemed to be kind of poised on the knife edge between peace and nuclear annihilation. The tension between America and the Soviet bloc was as tense as you could get without a bomb being dropped. When Billy arrived in Moscow, he would soon be the first Western evangelist ever to be received by a member of the Communist Politburo. Still, speculation and political questions dominated the headlines. But when Billy stood to speak before the audience of 600 delegates, his purpose for being there was abundantly clear. I speak to you today as a follower of Jesus Christ. Declaring that everything I have ever been, or am, or ever hoped to be in this life, or the future life, I owe to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was fearless, he was bold, he was always willing to take a risk when it was for the right reason. Let us call the nations of the world to repentance.
0: To be honest, I don't think the communists knew what to do with
1: it. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ was God's unique son, sent into the world to take away our sins by his death on the cross. Therefore, making it possible for us to be at peace with God. Dr. Graham was the only evangelical that was part of that scenario. And the local believers realized, look at that. It's one of us.
0: I find that so inspiring. To me, that just blows my mind. Billy Graham lived out this radical obedience to the gospel. He knew that people needed to hear the message of Jesus. And even if he was invited into a country where maybe um, it was a little bit hostile, he knew that what he had to do, he had to be obedient. And to me, this is a massive, or just such a good picture of what we're going to see in the text today. For those of you that are new today or haven't been following the series, we are looking at the life of Peter. Now we did this series called Follow a little while ago and it talked about, Uh, From the moment that Peter um, or Jesus asked Peter to follow him. And then we see in the life of Peter, him being discipled, him growing, him becoming more like Jesus, him being confronted by some of the issues in his life. And then now we're in a series called Lead, which is looking at the life of Peter as an apostle. From the moment in Acts 2, where he is filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered to preach the gospel. Last week, Michaela shared with us an incredible passage out of Acts chapter 5 where Peter and John go to the Sahedron and preach the gospel and are persecuted for their message. If you remember that, the the end of that text is incredible. It says that they were emboldened by this and they considered it a privilege to be persecuted for the name of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I would feel emboldened for being persecuted for the name of Jesus or counted a privilege, but this was the heart that Peter had grown into. Then in Acts chapter seven, we see a pinnacle moment in the early church. A man named Stephen, he was a deacon in the church, was killed for his faith. And this is the first Christian martyr of the early church. So why is that significant? Well, because from that moment on the church split, people realized that this was a big deal and they became scared to live out their faith. Persecution was getting more and more and more intense. And now we find Peter in Acts chapter 10, which is what we're gonna look at today going to Cornelius's house. This is an incredible uh, passage and I'm extremely excited to share it with you. But before I do that, I just wanna pray. Um, Lord God, we thank you for being here this morning. God, we thank you that your word never returns void. And so as we open your word um, and we look at the example of Peter and his interactions with Cornelius, Lord, would you speak to us through it? God, would you show us what it means to be obedient to you Lord, what it means to be emboldened to preach your gospel. Um, Lord, would you change us? Would you make us new? In the name of Jesus, amen. So at the start of Acts chapter 10, we find a very peculiar situation. We, it cuts to a man named Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman officer, not Jewish. And so to really get you to understand what's going on, I use this analogy of Billy Graham. The Jews and the Romans did not like each other. The Jews thought that they were God's chosen people. Um, They thought that they were better than everyone else. The Romans had come in and occupied the land in which the Jews saw was theirs. And so this relationship between them was extremely hostile. Yet we see this angel come and visit a man named Cornelius. And essentially the angel says, you need to go and find Peter and bring him back because he's got a message for you. Well, Cornelius says, well, okay, an angel's come and visited me. I'm gonna be obedient to that. So he goes and he, gets, he sends some men to go and get Peter. Now, while this is happening, we find Peter on the roof of his house waiting for his lunch to be made, classic. And um, it says that while he was waiting for his lunch, he was pretty hungry and he fell into a trance. And in this trance, a sheet fell down from heaven and in amongst the sheet was all these different types of animals, And it says, a voice spoke to Peter and it said, rise Peter, kill and eat. And Peter argued with this voice, he says, I've never eaten anything unclean in my whole life. Remember that in Jewish culture, they had um, animals that they could not go near, animals that they couldn't touch because they were ceremonially unclean. But this voice says to him, go and eat. Um, And so Peter says, no, I cannot do that. And then the voice says to him again, um, what God has called clean, don't call unclean or let no man call unclean. So Peter, and this happens three times. So Peter, he's, and then he comes to and he's wrestling with this. He goes, man, I don't really know what to do with this. And then we get to verse 19. And in verse 19, it says this, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Or Peter, three men are looking for you. Get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. And Peter came down and said to the men, I am the one you are looking for. Why have you come? The men said, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous, God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so, you could hear, so he could hear what you have to say. And it says Peter went with him. So what do we learn from this? What do we see already in this passage that we can learn from or we can be changed by? What does this radical act of obedience in the life of Peter say about his faith? I think it shows us the work of sanctification. If you don't know what sanctification means, it means the change that God brings when we surrender our life to him. Remembering that Peter was once just an arrogant kid who was a fisherman. He didn't know much. He was very brash. He rushed into situations too quick. Jesus once said to him, get behind me, Satan. You know, this is the Peter we're talking about. And now he's cool. He's collected. He's ready to go and risk his life for the sake of the gospel. What happened? He was being changed. God changed him. God gave him opportunities to grow. He had been changed in his mind. Where once he saw the centurions or the Romans as just an ugly people. Now he was willing to go for the sake of the gospel and share this message with them and he'd been emboldened, he'd been changed. Charles Spurgeon says this about it. Sanctification grows out of a faith in Jesus Christ. Remember, holiness is a flower, not a root. It is not sanctification that saves, but salvation that sanctifies. Peter knew Jesus, and because Peter knew Jesus, Peter had been changed by Jesus. And we see that in this radical act. Of obedience so Peter's obedient and it's awesome and he's cruising along this road he's heading back to Cornelius's house and he doesn't really know what to do he's like okay the Holy Spirit told me to go to Cornelius's house so that's what I'm gonna do and he's wrestling with this vision he's got all these different things going on inside of his head so what does he do in verse 34 of Acts chapter 10 we read this that Peter arrived and when, and then he began to speak. I now, re, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts ev- from every nation the ones who fear him and does what is right. You know the message of God, the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning with Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all those who are under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything that he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the cross, but God raised him from the dead and on the third day caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses in whom God had already chosen, um, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to people and to testify what he had done and and that he is the one God who had appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him and that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. When Peter came to a situation in which he didn't know what to do, he defaulted to what he did know. Peter knew Jesus. Peter had been changed by Jesus. And so when he got to Cornelius's house and didn't know what to do, he preached the gospel. It was his default position. And to me, I'm so inspired by that because through this preaching of the gospel, Cornelius and his house were changed. They were transformed, they were saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago, I was quite ill, and I ended up in hospital, severely dehydrated, um, and my kidney um, started functioning at a very, very low rate, which is quite scary. Now, for, for some of us in this situation, or maybe just me, um, I began to feel quite sorry for myself, just being honest. It's really hard when you're stuck in a, um, when you understand the message of Scripture and you know that the message of the gospel is what changes people's lives, It's hard to reconcile that with being just stuck in a hospital bed and not being able to do anything. And so I was sitting there feeling sorry for myself and going, God, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand what you're doing or how this is for your good or my good or anyone's good. God, I don't get it. When Peter didn't know what to do, he defaulted to what he did know. And so I had to do the same. What did I know? Well, I know that God loves me. I know that God created the world. I know that God sent his son to die on my behalf for the forgiveness of my sin. I know that God is on a mission to restore humanity and reconcile humanity back to himself. And so even if I didn't know what to do in this particular situation, I still know the God that I worship and that I love. And that brings peace and that brings hope. And for Peter, this was his default position. Uh, Where am I up to in my notes? As God began to change Peter, he began to give him new desires. This was a radical notion to go and preach the gospel to people that weren't Jewish. This was out the gate, this was pretty intense. And so what happened? In verse 44, it continues that while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard this message and the circumcised believers, so those are the people that had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of them getting baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered them, so they ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then Peter stayed for a few days. This is our spiritual heritage. This is where we can trace our spiritual ancestry back to. If Peter had not been obedient to the voice of God, if Peter had not gone to the house of Cornelius and preached the gospel to these men, then we would not be Christians here today. This is an extremely significant passage of scripture. Jesus said that when you go and preach the gospel, you'll go from Jerusalem to Samaria, uh, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the rest of the world. In Acts chapter 10, we genuinely see the beginning of the rest of the world. The fact that this Roman officer became a Christian is our spiritual heritage. Something else I love about um, this point is that I think a lot of us can become quite presumptuous in our faith. We, I think we become quite complacent. We start to go, oh, well, God is big and he... Yeah, I know he says that he, doesn't, that he wants to use me, but really he probably wants to use someone else. Like, Let's just be honest. He probably wants to use someone else. And so we start to go, well, yeah, the gospel needs to be preached, but we'll just leave that to people like Billy Graham. We'll leave that to Peter. We'll leave that maybe to church staff. But that's not the message of the gospel. And Jesus says that every believer needs to go into all the world and preach the good news. Peter was not presumptuous that this would just happen. He had initiative and was expectant that when the good news was preached, that lives would be changed. We need to have this expectation in our life. We need to have this courage that when the good news is preached, when scripture is read, that that is spirit empowered and God moves in that place. And when we understand the spiritual dynamic of the words of Jesus and the message of the gospel, it transforms the way that we view God. We can speak with authority and we can speak with power. The mission of the gospel has not changed. The mission of Jesus has not changed. God is still reconciling humanity back to himself and he wants to partner with us to achieve this. He wants us to go into our workplaces. He wants us to go into maybe our schools or our universities or even our church and preach this good news. And something that I love about the life of Billy Graham and something that I love about the life of Peter is this is not just to people that we like. This is not just to the people that we get along with or find easy. Billy Graham went to Russia. This was the most intense situation that he could have gone into. Peter went to a Roman officer's house and preached this good news. I think we can always find these loopholes in our lives of the people that we can talk to and oh man I just I'm not that comfortable I don't well, I don't know whatever insert your people's excuses <laughs> I could make one up but you get what I'm saying um, and so I think that we need to mimic and mirror the life of Peter remember Peter was obedient to a foal and that didn't just happen that happened when he was changed by Jesus Peter knew the message of the gospel and he knew the authority that the gospel have and so can we. We, we. I really encourage you that when you see the gospel written in scripture to highlight that up. Growing up in a Christian family, I heard people throw this word out, the gospel all the time. Oh, the gospel this, the gospel this. And I never really knew what the gospel was because it just became a word. The gospel of Jesus Christ is this, that God saw humanity and saw that it was broken and sent his son down to restore it jesus came and he lived a perfect life he died a death he didn't deserve on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could be made right with the father so that if anyone trusts in him he could be made whole and come alive you guys want to jump up this is an incredible story um Bailey and Ben are just gonna sing a song. I think it's just so important every time we have an opportunity to see the gospel, remember the gospel, be encouraged by the gospel. We just need to jump on it and love it because this is our battle cry as Christians. This is where we have authority. This is where we have power. But I think I'll just finish with this verse. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says this, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one who they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one who they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them and how can anyone preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news
1: Teach me to disguise
0: Pray to finish it, eh? um, Lord God, we thank you um, that you didn't leave us. God, we thank you that you're not a distant God or a God that doesn't care. You're not a God that's angry with us, but God, you love us so much that you sent Jesus to come and die for us. Um, Lord God, I pray that that truth would become more and more real in our lives. Lord, that as we understand the message of the gospel and as we are changed by it, Lord God, that you would truly change us. Lord God, I pray that you would give us the faith to be obedient. God, the courage to preach the gospel. And God, the faith to be expectant that when we do that, you will move. You are not a God who is absent, but you are a God who is insanely present in this very moment. And so God, we just want to be obedient to your voice and obedient to your call. And so through the beautiful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.